This is Shelley Pikett, and that's my song, Bitch. Well, the one I wrote with Meredith Brooks. I tell all about how it happened in Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, a memoir about my adventures and misadventures on the front line of the songwriting business. You can also hear about Christina, Brittany, Keith Urban, and many more. But my book isn't just about songwriting. It's about passion, pursuit, perseverance for any dream you may have. Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, available on Amazon or at a bookstore near you. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine, and she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh my God, oh yes! She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians, sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicki's writing knocked me out, in, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon. Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taken. Vicki's the creator and host of the renowned celebrity-driven literary salon, Women Who Write, and the author of Amazon bestseller, Don't Jump. Here's Vicki. How you doing tonight? Good. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing really good. You know, except something dawned on me today. I was, I was writing a post on Facebook, and, and I was being kind of snarky, and I realized, 
wow, I haven't really been cursing or funny in a while, since like we started doing this show. And, and I'm trying to keep it kind of clean on purpose because I, uh, I'm hoping that we're going to um, attract some corporate sponsors like PepsiCo, Frito-Lay, Cheetos. I mean, come on. Who, who should represent Cheetos more than me? I don't know. But anyway, so I don't think they'll probably like all the, the Vicky-isms that I tend to. Uh, so I've been cleaning it up, which I'm sure is pleasing Henry Jaglum, who's always begging me on social media to stop saying that word. Um, and all those other ones that I like to say so much. But I realize what what left with the cussing is my humor. Um, and it's not that I always curse when I when I crack when I but it's the the freedom I wrote an article for the Huffington Post about this a couple of years ago about how language affects our thinking and when I censor my language I censor my thinking and that's really dangerous for me because it takes the funny out and um not that I'm like a comic or anything, but you know, I, you know, whatever my my natural sense of humor. And so, there's nobody better to talk about the funny with than tonight's guest, Wendy Liebman. I'm a huge fan of hers, and I have been for a gazillion years. And I'm not even sure when we met, but I know our friendship really sparked on Facebook. And um, Wendy is an American Comedy Award winner. She has appeared on the Larry Sanders Show, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Dr. Katz Professional Therapist Jimmy Kimmel, The Late Show with David Letterman, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. She's done them all. She's had her own specials on Showtime. Um, Wendy Liebman is taller on TV, which is hysterical. And Justin, I can't recommend to you highly enough to to check out the archive of that. I was there. I will there. definitely have to. It's fantastic. And I was there when she uh, um, premiered it. It was a great night. She's an amazing woman. She's hysterically funny. And she's just the sweetest and cutest. Um, so, Justin, let's welcome Wendy Liebman. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Wendy. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, Wendy, this is uh, Justin Levins. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Justin. Justin's um, our pro- my producer and sound engineer. And uh, All right. Are you a Foo Fighters fan by any chance? I love the Foo Fighters. I probably couldn't pick out anyone else other than Dave Grohl. Yeah, me either. But I love them, too. Yeah, I've seen him in the farmer's market in Studio City. Nice! Well, Justin did... did Have you ever seen any of the Sonic Highways, uh, the shows they did on HBO? I did, I did. Okay, so Justin was the sound engineer on that. Engineer. Very cool. And he won an Emmy. Yeah. He did. Yeah, incredible, right? So um, he's going to make us sound so wonderful. Incredible. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so... Okay, so let's get to you, girl. So, Wendy, we, you know, I, I was trying to remember when we met, because I think we met back in the day um, when Gabe was a comic, and I, I think we might have met in New York back then, but, but you're not from New York. You're a Boston comic, yes? I started, in, I'm from Long Island originally, that's where I grew up, but I went to school in Boston, uh-huh. and then I stayed there and I started doing comedy. I took a, a class at the Cambridge Center for Adult Education with Ron Lynch, he was my teacher, and now he's on such things as the Sarah Silverman program and Bob's Burgers, and he runs a show at midnight at the Steve Allen Theater every Saturday. But anyway... But, okay, um, so what, what sparked... Okay, so did you do, like, school plays when you were a kid? I did. I was always 
um, like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. <gasps> I was Eliza in My Fair Lady. This is before I smoked cigarettes and ruined my vocal cords. <laughs> but back in the day, yes. I could sing. But I was always like, um, in college, even though I wasn't involved in the theater that much, I did audition for a play called Uncommon Women and Others about an a reunion of an all-girls college. Mm-hmm. And I was at an all-women's college. So, um, and I played... Where'd you go to school? I went to Wellesley. Mm, of course you did. No. <laughs> You're a smarty I pants. I that out loud, except that Hillary went there, so... I, I just um, found out yesterday that um, that our future vice president's daughter is going to is a Tish where some, where my daughter's going in the fall. Oh, so she's very, very cool. in the same studio. So very excited. Anyway. So yes. Yeah, so Hillary, there you go. So the play was called uncommon women and others. And my role was to, was Carter, who was the philosopher who had all mm-hmm. the funny lines at the end of every scene. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time I got laughed on stage. Oh. And there's something really addictive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the casting, the director became this huge casting director in Hollywood, Nancy Mayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, but, so that was some weird aberration because I was a philosophy major and psychology major. But anyway... Wait, before you get off that, so what, what did you want to be when you grew up? What, what was the dream at that point? I thought I was going to be a psychologist. Not a psychiatrist because I didn't want to go to medical school, but mm-hmm. I was always like the RA and I was really good with my friends and I was a good listener and I was interested in psychology and I'd been in therapy since I was 16. So I thought that was what I was going to be. And were your parents on board for that? That was, that sounds like something they would love for you to have done. You know what? They, they said, whatever makes you money. No. (laughs) Uh, um, We have, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I don't think they ever said anything like uh-huh. what I should be. Um, my mother has on occasion said, you should write a novel. But other than that, I really, they still think I'm a third grade teacher living in Akron. They have no idea that I'm a stand-up comedian. <laughs> no, but my sister became the therapist. And I realized I did do psych research. I got a job after college mm-hmm. at Harvard Medical School. Wow. And I was doing psych research. And I realized that I was too depressed to deal with other depressed and crazy people. And I was like, I would rather make a hundred people laugh than one person cry and that one person being myself. So So were you like even, okay, so you loved getting, you got the laughs during doing that show, but I'm guessing, Wendy, your natural inclination, you went through life, early life, getting laughs in life. Come on. I really didn't. I mean, really? I remember being six years old mm-hmm. and enjoying the attention from being funny. Like, mm-hmm. I remember, I even have the picture. I put on this funky outfit at, mm-hmm. like, Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and I, I specifically remember putting one sock lower than the other because I thought that asymmetry was somehow comical, like wearing crooked glasses. Uh-huh. And it did get laughed. And so... In that sense, I was a ham. Right. Um, but then I got very serious. And as I said, I studied psychology and philosophy. And I was a chain smoker. And I was like, hmm. just, um, I, was, I was angry, I think, more than funny, which can be the flip side of each other, actually. Absolutely. Um, and then 
what what, what what sparked that? What what were you angry about? Um, just life in general. I was anorexic, so I was always hungry. Oh, that, well, that'll and, do it. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I was just angry. I don't know what I was angry at. Maybe it's just the teenage angst. It smells like teen yeah. spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, mm-hmm. speaking of, oh, yeah. no, that was Nirvana. Yeah, but same thing, um, David Grohl. But then I, um, oh, so I... I lived in this house after college with mm-hmm. all these really, really smart people. Mm-hmm. They were studying, they were getting their MD, PhDs. Oh, and my. I, just, I know. And I felt like such, can I swear on this? Yes, you can. I felt like the biggest fucking <laughs> idiot because they were always, they were just brilliant. And so my MO in that house with five people was to make them laugh. Uh-huh. Whether it be making jokes or my cooking, something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, I think life has a life of its own, Vicky, mm-hmm. because it really was a series of errors that got me into this class to begin with, because I took the mail in from the wrong apartment, and in the uh-huh. mail was a course catalog for the Cambridge. Adult Education Center, and I took an acting class at first, mm-hmm. and the acting teacher quit, and they were like, well, take another class. So I'm thumbing through the pages, and I see how to be a stand-up comedian. I was like, what? And it really was this eureka moment, like, uh-huh. <laughs> like I just knew I had to take that class. I so get that. When I was um, in sixth, I think I was in sixth grade, I wanted to take cooking at Bronx House. And there was no room in the cooking class. And I started to cry. And they said, and they just put me into a drama class. And I, I had already done a little with my dad on stage, but that wasn't what I wanted. And that moment, that decision changed the course of my life. Because I'm a very famous actress today, as you can see. No, but it, but it, it sparked a lot of things that happened. But do you, believe, do you believe that things happen for a reason? Do you believe in destiny? Or do you think that we are, have self-will? What, what's, your, what's your belief? Oh, God, I didn't realize. <laughs> you didn't realize you were, you, that we were going to be using your other that I was going to have to answer the <laughs> questions of the universe. Well, I'm just curious, nothing thing. heavy. I know. Okay, so here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. So then while I was in college, I went to Wellesley, but my sophomore year I went to Wesleyan because mm-hmm. I thought it was crazy to go to an all-women's college. Mm-hmm. And it's still a little odd, but so I took my sophomore year at Wesleyan. And I had a teacher there named Annie Dillard, who's a fiction writer. Mm-hmm. And... She wrote something called Pilgrim at Tinker Creek and Tickets for a Prayer Wheel. And she writes a lot. Anyway, she's high profile. Yeah. And so I was in her class. It was very hard to get into, but I had a teacher at Wellesley who petitioned for me. Wow. And then the second semester, and it was this tiny class. Was this based on your writing that your teacher commissioned on your behalf? Yes. Because um, a big component of, of stand-up is your writing. Uh, is, of every stand-up is writing, but certainly with yours. So, okay, so this is something you were doing back then. You were writing. It was fiction, though. It was okay. like longer form. But okay. still, yeah. So, um, so the second semester, I show up, and 
she tells three of us that we weren't accepted back into the class, even though she had given everybody an A. Wow. So we didn't have any sense that we weren't going to be accepted back. So I remember walking out of that class, and somebody said to me, are you still going to write fiction? Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not even going to write a check. Oh, God. And that was one of my first jokes that I wrote (laughs) as a comedian. And I really realized, I, I really feel like as that pain permeated mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. Um, because I, I was so befuddled. Mm-hmm. I, I was led to believe that I was a good writer mm-hmm. and that she thought I... Anyway, um, I do feel like that planted a seed. So is there free will or is there fate? I, I think everything is just is. I don't think there is what if. Okay. Um. So, ironically, there was an article about Annie Dillard in the New York Times recently Mm -hmm. that my mother sent me because she's always sending me articles. Yeah, yeah. About calcium and and Pilates or whatever. And it said how Annie Dillard's work is like sit-down stand-up, which I found really fascinating. Uh Um, Anyway, I've never read a book of hers because I won't. Let myself. Yeah, I, I, I totally get it. You'll punish. <laughs> you'll show her. I, I get it. That's right. But I did not meet you until a few years ago at your house. Is that true? Is that when we met for the first time? I think I we knew of each other, but you called me or emailed me. You Facebooked me. Of course I did. <laughs> Which is amazing. Like That's how I get all my best guests. <laughs> And why not? My husband's writing partner wrote to him and said, I need you in my life. And then they, be- then they became writing partners and wrote a couple of scripts together over Skype. I love that. Um, Facebook has changed my life, by the way. It's, it's, I, I've been saying for years that my next book is going to be the Tao of Facebook and how it changed my life because it totally changed my life in every way. And so us meeting that way makes total sense to me. But it was more than a few years ago. I said at least six or seven, I think, because I feel like we've known each other for a while here. Yeah, it was the first time you were doing Women Who Write, mm-hmm. and it was like your third time. Wow. Okay, that's eight and years ago. Okay, this is even crazier, Vicki, because for some reason, when you asked me to come over, I thought you were interviewing me. I remember this. And you were asking me to read something, but I, I, for some reason, that uh, I didn't hear you or read it correctly. <laughs> And so I got there, and the only thing I've ever written, like, in book form, I published myself at Office Depot. <laughs> no, I'm not laughing at you. I think that's very, I think that's very, <laughs> what's the word? Um, industrious. It's very industrious. I like that. Well, I never <laughs> sold it or anything. I remember you went and got wanted... them out of your trunk. Right? I did. Yes. And what it was was, because this is like right before, this is right when Facebook started. Right. My book was Facebook updates before Facebook. (laughs) I kept, I kept my own book of, I mean, I didn't know about Facebook because it wasn't 
invented yet, mm-hmm. but I would jot down like ideas, like mm-hmm. what do oysters think the world is, or <laughs> you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him swim, or you know, crazy like jokes and uh-huh. um, why does my raincoat say dry clean only, things like that. <laughs> and so, but I also had like seeds of philosophy and philosophical ideas, uh-huh. and that's what I read. Yes, I, rem- I remember. Women who write. I, I, I feel like that's how we met. And I'm just blown away. I was blown away by you then, and I'm still blown away by you now. I think you have the best energy I've ever seen in a person. <laughs> it's I'm a little so overwhelming. Inspired. I'm inspired by you. Oh, God. I think many people are. Well, thank you. That's really sweet. Um, I appreciate that. And Oprah should have chosen you. Right? When I did the now the, the own thing, your own yes. show. Yeah, damn it. The shows that ended up winning that thing, you know, went off the air in like five seconds. And of course. She would have had women who write for the last eight years. Damn it. Of course. <laughs> Actually, well, you know, she was the, the inspiration for women who write. You know, if Oprah hadn't started presenting books and authors, I never would have had the idea. And... Um, Wow. Yeah, maybe one day. I, I actually have a picture. You know, you're supposed to do like a, um, uh, a, a, uh, what is, a visualization board. You know, you're supposed to make these things and put pictures on them and stuff. And so right in front of me, where, where I look every day against the wall, is a picture of me and Oprah next to each other. And so maybe one day. It's getting very faded and yellowed and it's curling. <laughs> I totally believe in the vision board, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because five years ago, I made one. And I forgot about it, and I put it away. And then we were moving in November, and I found it, and I basically moved into the house that I had visualized. This kills me. Tony Robbins tells almost the exact same story, by the way. Um, it's so on, freaky. Oh, my God. Like, like actually, I don't know if it was Tony Robbins or one of his his people that he was counseling but they literally made a vision board and they put all these pictures on there and like 20 years later pulled it out and it was the exact house that oh. he was sitting in i mean that stuff just gives me the willies i mean that's just i know crazy. i have goosebumps yes now just me too i mean it's it. crazy that's so okay so we're going to get to all that well maybe we get to it right now because we're here but so You've had like this big change of life. I mean, we've left out a big chunk of your life, which we're going to go back and talk about. But you've had this big change of life recently. For those of you that don't know, Wendy is married to Jeffrey Sherman, um, son of the Sherman brothers and Mary Poppins. And oh, my God. Um, And um, and I I know that you guys were in a car accident a few years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I read that actually, and I remember talking to you about it when it happened. I remember reading your posts on Facebook. I was just in a pretty bad accident on the 4th of July. That's been life changing. Right. Yeah. And so, but I want to talk about yours. So, because I read something online that that accident actually changed your life, your, your, your thinking. Well, you know, I took, time off not like I never got off the road or stopped doing stand up but Mm -hmm. I went from like the fast lane to the breakdown lane kind of Mm -hmm. because I met my husband and he had two kids and 90% custody of them and so I wanted to be home a little bit to help raise them and they were four and eight at the time Mm -hmm. and now they're 21 and 25 wow um and I don't I don't know where that time (laughs) (laughs) like I really 
I, it's befuddling to me. Mm-hmm. But that's the second time I used that word in this interview. <laughs> which, it's not like one of my words. So, um, <laughs> so Jeffrey and I were driving home from a place that we go to, a friend of ours that we've been there before many times. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey took a wrong turn. And so we ended up in a different place than we normally drive home. Mm-hmm. But it was still on Ventura Boulevard in in uh, Encino or Tarzana. Mm-hmm. And we were at a stoplight. And basically, we saw like this rowdy car and we didn't want to get behind it. We wanted to get to the side of it to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to the left. To the left of it. And so by we were, rowdy car, you I'm assuming you mean the people in it were being rowdy? Because they were kids and they mm-hmm. were driving. And it was 11 at night. So, okay. And they were driving a little bit, like, erratically. Mm-hmm. So it was four lanes. And the two left lanes were going left. Mm-hmm. And the two right lanes were going straight. And then there was a breakdown. Or, like, a side. Mm-hmm. Not breakdown, but, right. you know, like, a Yeah, like a bicycle it, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, we were at the stoplight, and a car was going 90 behind us. And it was like he bowled into this four four lanes of traffic. Mm. And had we been right behind that rowdy car, Mm -hmm. we would have been hit like the woman next to us Mm -hmm. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the woman next to us died. Oh, my God. And Jeff turned his head to see me in the passenger seat, mm-hmm. and he saw her die. Like <gasps> she looked at him, and then oh, she put her head on the steering wheel and died. Oh my god! And I mean, not to freak anybody out, but it. And I, in like when I try to think about it, I think I turned to the right and saw her do it too. But it was so fast, right? Um. And then the next thing I hear is get out of the car because we didn't know if the car was going to explode. And mm-hmm. So the guy totals seven cars. Oh, my his. God. And then he gets out of the car and he gets a beer from the convenience <gasps> store. They wouldn't even sell it to him because they knew he was already drunk, but he threw the money at them and he took the beer. So he was, I guess when you're drunk, mm-hmm. your body is more, um, it's not as rigid when mm-hmm. you get into an accident. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't that hurt, but Mm -hmm. they took him to the hospital anyway. And to this day, Mm -hmm. we have no idea what happened to him. I've written to the LA Times that covered it Mm -hmm. recently to find it. This is three years ago Mm -hmm. or two and a half years ago. Um, Anyway, so what did that do to us? I sat on the side of the road waiting for the cops or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I thought I have to just make a big flash again in my career and get back out there and mm-hmm. just not slow down and just really do what I'm here to do, which is make people laugh. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went on America's Got Talent. <laughs> <laughs> which was fantastic. I watched every week and I loved it. And I love that Howard brought you back as his wild card, Howard Stern. That was fantastic. So exciting. I and still haven't met him though. Really? <gasps> it's so Hollywood, It's so phony. Because yeah. I, I met him from the stage, right? But I never met him. Did you try and to? Did you try to backstage? We were never in the same place as they were. Mm. So 
I'm sure if I had been a little more vocal, but it was just, anyway, it was a great time. I met amazing people. I'm still friends with Matt Franco, the magician who won, who has a room nice. that they built for him in Las Vegas. Wow. At the Lynx Hotel. Oh, my and it's God. Magic Reinvented. And he's been, my mother voted for him <laughs> more than she voted for me. <laughs> but, oh, my um, God. <laughs> no, it was a great experience. Oh. It really was. Okay, so now let's backtrack because there's a lot between there's a lot between Wesleyan and 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 okay. So so you wanted to be a psychologist. You you got on stage. You took this class. It changed your life. You just getting laughs, fabulous. So you're in Boston. You're you're how you're in college. You're out of college doing stand up. I you just went, graduated. Okay, I just graduated. Yeah. And did it did it click for you right away? Did you have to find your feet? What was that process like? It's weird because I I. So badly at the beginning, like I'm sure I was just the worst. But everybody's knew, the worst when they start. I knew in my heart that I wanted to be doing that. Mm. And people ask me all the time, like, how did I get my style? Yeah, I think I watched everybody around me, and the people that were performing at that time were Jonathan Katz and Don mm. Gavin and Laura Keitlinger mm-hmm. and Bill Broadus and Brian Kylie and. Kevin Meany, and you just sort of hear what, I went to every club every night. I had a day job, but I would go to two or three clubs. What was your day night. job? Um, at that point, I was working at um, Houghton Mifflin. I was, in the ref- I was the secretary to the editor of Reference. We made dictionaries. Okay, because I had no idea what you were talking about. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and then I worked at Radcliffe College. Um, it was a fellowship program for women. Mm-hmm. We, we funded 40 women every year, and it was like a think tank. Uh-huh. And the only requirement they had was that they had to give like a colloquium or speech mm-hmm. sometime during the year. But I really did meet like incredible incredible women everybody from Tilly Olson mm-hmm. the writer mm-hmm. who wrote I Stand Here Ironing to um, Anna Devere Smith and, interesting um, mathematicians mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. um, sociologists everybody it was really a fascinating time and I was the assistant to the director so mm-hmm. I was basically a secretary but I got to be in this environment that in that encouraged women, mm-hmm. and um, so it really was, it was really healthy for me, and nobody knew what I did at night until, like, a few years in. Okay, so how did, how did you, how did you, how did that transition happen from, okay, I really suck, and I'm paying attention to everybody else, to, oh, I'm kind of, oh, um, um, this is I don't know, I just kept doing it, and um, I think it was after the perm, <laughs> I had one of those. <laughs> oh my god! Just write every picture, please, of me. Oh, me too. Um, I took. Uh, I was part of a competition that Bud Friedman was doing. He uh-huh. owns the Improv. Yes. And he and his wife came to Boston. They were scouting the country. It was the Johnny Walker comedy competition, and. I won in Boston. I think it was Bud Friedman's wife, Alex, who said, she's funny. Wow. um, So I came out to L.A. 
and 48 hours was covering me. I can't believe I'm talking about this. I haven't talked about this in a long time, but 40, the television show 48 Hours was doing a segment on comedy, and I was one of the, or they were doing a whole show on comedy, and I was one of the segments. And so and this is before you're like a national headline. This is like, this happened pretty quickly, it sounds like. Well, in comedy years, like it was six years in. Okay, but, but that, that's, that's like baby. It's like dog years. Yeah. Right? Yes. yeah. yeah. Um, no, the opposite of dog years, because like six years is nothing. Right. Six years is like minutes. Is a po- right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then when I was out here, um, Jim McCauley from The Tonight Show mm-hmm. saw me and said, well, how come I haven't seen you before? And then two weeks later, I was on The Tonight Show with Johnny oh, Carson. That's unbelievable. That is un- so, that is unbelievable. And how did that first Johnny Carson go? Well, I, I'm still nervous oh. about it, mm-hmm. but um, and I did get to meet Ed and Johnny came to my dressing room, <gasps> and it was like they were like a hologram. And all I remember <laughs> is thinking, "Wow, they're really tall." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then I moved out to LA. And then I start as soon as I moved here, I started going on the road. I had never been on the road except one time in Boston. I took a road trip, mm-hmm. and I um, worked in Princeton, New Jersey, opening for John Stewart. Nice. So, and he had just started doing comedy, mm-hmm. uh, but he was still headlining. But I remember back in that time, making that road trip, yeah. I had to go to AAA and get a trip. I was more nervous about finding the gigs than I was ever about doing them. I totally get it. Kids today do not understand. No, because everything is on their phone. We didn't have those. Wasn't we didn't have ways? We didn't have the internet. No, yeah. I I was thinking yesterday because I was in a parking lot and it said "Go South on Curry" or whatever street it was, and I'm thinking the next evolution of this technology will say, okay, keep going straight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it I mean, won't even say go south. Well, it's true because I still don't know. What's, I still panic when it says go north or south. Like I have a compass app on my phone and I'll like immediately pull it out because I have no idea. Even if the sun is out, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a totally true story, Vicki. I was driving to New Hampshire to a gig, totally freaked out because I didn't like to drive in the first place, mm-hmm. but, um, and I thought I was going to get lost. So I am daydreaming a little and I'm like, oh shit, I think I missed my exit. What am I going to do? And I didn't, I didn't have a map mm-hmm. and I pull over and I realized that on the bottom of my shoe, and I'm not making this up, on the bottom of my shoe was a map of New Hampshire because the Wait, shoes what? were made in New what? Hampshire. <laughs> And I pull over and I look at the bottom oh, of my shoe and I'm like, oh, I'm not lost. <laughs> I didn't have my exit. <laughs> Nobody you, believes that story. That is the great shoes come with a map at the bottom. I have never seen a pair of shoes with uh, a map yeah. on the bottom. <laughs> no, they don't anymore. But. That was very handy back then. I know. <laughs> now we have GPS. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you so you start doing road gigs. So now what I want to know is okay. So what what time is this? The eighties? I'm assuming this is the eighties. Yeah, it's the mid eighties. Okay, so now eighties. That's when I was doing stand up for like five minutes. But there weren't a lot of women 
doing comedy back then. And there certainly weren't a lot of women doing comedy who weren't like crazy looking like Phyllis Diller and, and Joan Rivers, you know, who were like really sort of exaggerated um, personalities and, and, and played that up. Um, Toadie Fields. I mean, so here you were like a pretty girl and you're doing stand up. Um, what was, what was, did you take any shit from the male comics? Did the audiences accept you right? How, how was that for you? I so didn't even think about it. I love that. I really just didn't. I I worked a lot with um, the comedian, the female comedians that were working in Boston at the time mm-hmm. were Linda Smith, who now teaches at, out of Caroline's in New York City, uh, Lauren Dombrowski, who went on to be um, producer on Mad TV. She's mm-hmm. no longer with us, but she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Hogue, um, who else? And Laura Keitlinger. Laura, I know. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the people that I was watching were, were Rita Rudner mm-hmm. and Elaine um, And Elaine Boozler was already on the scene those days. And Elaine. Mm-hmm. And um, I would watch just who, whomever I could. Like, mm-hmm. But I didn't think of myself as a female comedian. I really, I, I know that sounds silly. No, I think, I think that helped you. I think that's a good thing because it didn't get in your way. And in a sense, it helped me because um, there were always like slots to fill. Right. Like if somebody needed a female on a show. Mm-hmm. So there are only a handful of us in Boston. Right. So, um... But now there are so many amazing female comedians. There are, okay, so let's talk about, so now there are so many amazing comedians, and there was a little incident recently, not too far, long ago, with Amy Schumer. And um, I actually went to your website um, yesterday and saw that you addressed it right on your homepage. But uh, for those of you who don't know, um, you know, Wendy's written some brilliant jokes that get a lot, you know, you get retweeted and re and quoted and all over the place and I'm sure stolen from quite a bit in people's acts. Um, so uh, you tell us the story. Well, um, just basically one of my jokes, she, she also performed one of my jokes and I'm like, I'd like to think that it was just parallel thinking because I've written other people's jokes. Mm-hmm. I've written a Margaret Smith joke. Mm-hmm. I've written a Steve Martin joke. Right. Um, so, and there is plenty of parallel thinking. I mean, there is. I mean, it's it's the world is the universe. That happens, innocently. Right. I mean, I think people had told me for years that she had my style. I think mm-hmm. more than anything that mm-hmm. um, upset me. But the particular joke, I don't, I really just think it was parallel thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the joke? It, I know what the joke the was, joke, but tell us the joke. My joke was, um, I'm all fashioned. I like it when the man pays for sex. <laughs> and hers was, I'm old school. Mm-hmm. I like it when the man pays for sex. Mm-hmm. So, um, whatever. I appreciate Amy and what she's done with her career and what she does for women mm-hmm. and um, body image. I think that's fantastic. Yes. So, mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling... Um, a lot of people do a lot of people's jokes, so, yeah. mm-hmm. and it is in the ether. 
<laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? I could be doing a joke that I saw on the Mary Tyler Moore show 30 years ago and not know it. Right. Because I heard it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so that passed. So that, but that played out on social media. I mean, you, you were vocal about it, right? You went, out, you went on Twitter and you, you, you drew, t- drew attention to it. Yes, I drew attention to it only because I was getting taken from by other people, but I never said Amy stole my joke. I okay. just said, we're doing the same joke. Mm-hmm. And then it took on a life of its own. Mm. Um, and she said, what can I do to make this right? And I said, just having, just the fact that you reached out to me, it's fine now. I love that. So... Yeah, and um, so are you able to like let so now that you that you've had that experience with her and uh, can you let that go and and be okay with it? Oh, I totally let it go. Uh-huh. That was in January or February, and it's like I haven't thought about that um, until people bring it up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm cool with that. Um, yeah, I just write more jokes. There you go, because you're writing all the time. I remember. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were somewhere, I don't know, and, and we were talking about how the phone, like you were you were a Twitter maniac. Are you still like a Twitter maniac? Are you constantly tweeting? Well, after that, I said I'm not going to write jokes on the Internet anymore because oh. the thing that, that triggered that whole flurry was somebody took one of my jokes and made it a meme. Oh. What, do you, like, what do you I mean? What was the joke? The joke, well, my joke is uh, my husband said I nag him, and I said, I won't nag you if you listen to me the first fucking time. (laughs) And it became a meme. Like, you call it nagging, I call it wanting to listen to me the first fucking time. And and that person has since apologized and thought she was doing me a favor, even Mm. though she didn't credit me. Interesting. um, so I just thought I'm not going to put myself out there so much, but I, I do anyway. I do now. Um, uh, but yeah, so I am on, on Twitter a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, like I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And depending on the day, I check one first. I don't know. It's just um, mm-hmm. like I don't have a favorite one. Do, do, you? You, do you? Do you have your? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, from, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wordy. <laughs> I have a lot to say. So Facebook really suits my person. Although I have to say, Twitter is great schooling for me because it forces me to speak in 140 characters to, to get my thought out. And so it has helped me to, to learn to be more succinct and to get to the point, which is great. Uh-huh. It's, it's, you know, less is more, for sure. But there are right. times when I really want to like say what's on my mind and I really yeah I, I want to vent yeah and and of course I'm wasting it all on Facebook because then it goes down the thread and it's lost forever and for no, years because you can download you can download your archive you I know, just did that yesterday I tried downloading that archive like so many goddamn times over the last few years and I don't know what happens to that file I don't know how to open that file that file my file would be so big it would you be need- like hi. Yeah, need you need to hire somebody yeah. to help you because, it, well, with the with the Twitter one anyway, it came in like a page, not pages, a numbers like an Excel spreadsheet. Wait a minute, there's a Twitter download your stuff. Yes, <gasps> yeah, because I'm doing that now because I want to mine my feed yeah. for jokes. Yeah, and so and you can, so you were able to get into your Facebook one and actually read it. I, 
I just downloaded it yesterday, so I haven't looked yeah, at it. Yeah, well, you talked to me Is after you tried it, actually. <laughs> I, like, downloaded it six times. I needed, like, a whole new hard drive to house it. And then I couldn't, I have no idea what, what code that was, what, what language that was in. I couldn't read a goddamn thing. Uh, but, but it also dawns on me, like, why ha- haven't I been archiving myself the stuff that I'm uh, writing on there, right? And so, right. so now on my website, I'm having my web designer, like, make a page where I can actually put the shit on there so that it'll be kept because that fa- there are Facebook things that I said some genius things seven years ago right. that I will never get back. No, you're going to get you know, them. You're going to hire some college kid to maybe it's like even now like I want to get Frito-Lay to be my sponsor because I'm all about cheating you know you know my Cheetos obsession and so I like who better than me to be their sponsor my head's in a goddamn bag of Cheetos it's on the cover of my book it's my it's my pin tweet on Twitter and um you know if I could reference the amount of times I mentioned Cheetos or people did to me in the last eight years on Facebook it has to be six figures, at least. But I sent you a cheesy puff thing the other day, you, didn't I? You did. There was like a cheese puff. Oh, yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> because everybody, when they think of Cheetos, they think of me, which is not necessarily a good association. But speaking of which, I want to ask you, Wendy, as we're, we're coming, we're winding down here. Do you have a guilty pleasure? I have a couple. Good. Um, and they're not sexy. Uh, are Cheetos sexy, Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even food. That's okay. I play um, word games. Ah, like what? Um, it's called Word Search, or let me see. What the it's one on the, on the phone, wor- Word, like the Scrabble one? Uh, not Words with Friends. I mean, I play that too. But oh. this is one, it's called Word Search, I think. Okay. Where it's... Um, or word crazy <laughs> it should be called you're crazy okay. <laughs> because you spend a lot of time looking for words yeah but i play against people like i have two people that i play with okay and do you know them in real life i know one in real life okay. and the other is like um like an internet fan. okay oh yeah. cool. no she started as a fan oh i love it yeah that's really cool and she's like when are you going to be on tv again i'm like i I don't have time. I'm playing this fucking word game. (laughs) But my other, is it an obsession or a guilty pleasure? Um, I'm at a lull now, so I'm in remission right now. But for a while, I was going on eBay and finding black jackets, like blazers or um, like jackets. Yeah. Really cheap, Calvin Klein or Eileen Fisher used. Okay. And I amassed so many <laughs> black jackets. It's, it's pathetic. Like, it's a sickness. So, actually, right before, um, to, right before this, I've been cleaning out my closet. And because I read that book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Oh. Have you read that book? I have not. Ah. <gasps> That changed my life. Really? Were you, are, are you a hoarder? Yes. Were no, you? absolutely no. not a hoarder. No, okay. Because I'm no, not a hoarder. No, no, no. So, so I'm not a hoarder. No, I'm not a hoarder. Okay, I've so, never been a hoarder. So what did, tell, tell me about it. Really, it just says get rid of things that 
don't bring you joy. So I threw the book away. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just doing my act for you. No, but seriously, I love it. Yeah. there are things that I keep yeah. because I feel guilty for having spent the money yes! on them. Or, yes. But what this book says is somebody else will get that mm. and that will bring them joy. Mm. I and like that. Don't even think about the money you spent on it because the anxiety you have about keeping it for that reason is not worth it. I love and that. But right by the way, if you're getting ri- if you're getting rid of those any black jackets, I love yeah. black jackets. So. I will absolutely <laughs> give them to you. I have two in mind that will absolutely look gorgeous on you. Uh, but right before I moved, I yep. did that. They say do it before a move, and we oh. literally threw out a third of our house. Like we just put it on the front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> People came by and took stuff. Because Is that so? We, we didn't need it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I gave some of it to, like, Goodwill uh-huh. and Jewish Women's Council. But, um, and now... put it on the front lawn. Our, <laughs> we really didn't... So you didn't even have, like, a garage sale. You just, like, here it is, take it away. People came in droves. Oh, my. Did you, did you announce it? What had it... They no. Didn't, no, you just it's put like it out word there. of mouth. <laughs> And it wasn't even good stuff. It was just like stuff. But, you know, one person's stuff is another person's treasure. Absolutely. So <laughs> I love that book. And, um, and my house is very sparse now. I love that, Except too. for the black jackets. Yeah. I, I totally, re- I had a, we had a place in New York and the place here. And the place here had nothing in it because it's where I do women who write. And I had to have nothing. So I would have room for all those chairs. And so I've learned to live that way. And now, as soon as anything starts to accumulate, I give it away. I have to give it away. I, I don't like it. And I've also, no I no longer have emotional attachment to things as much. Because now we have pictures of everything on our phone. And I can right. kind of look at anything that I want to look at. And also, I've realized the heart is the is the best storage exactly. for ev- everything. And my mind, my mind and my heart. And I don't need the shit. Um, Yes. So I I agree with you completely. Okay. I have have another question before we go. So here you are. You're you're this, you're you're one of the funniest people on the planet, Wendy. You you truly are just genius. And, And what I love about your humor is it's not girl humor. You're not a female comic. You're a comic. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're not a female. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, sometimes... You're, you're funny. Sometimes I like to dress in women's clothing. <laughs> Very, not, I haven't put on a dress and I can't even count how many years. And I don't think I've ever seen you in a dress. I'm trying to think if I've ever seen you I in a dress. I used to wear long skirts to perform in and then somebody said I looked like a Hasidic Jew and I was like, okay, that, that's enough of the long dress skirt. Well, so, okay, so, but, but I think of you truly, you are just a funny person and your comedy is just funny. Period. It yeah. has it has no no gender to it. Is there anybody who um, we we have a social life together at at a mutual friend's house and we see many celebrities there and crazy things at at Phil Rosenthal's. Do you um is there anybody that makes you starstruck? Whether they're a comic, like I I, I guess there's a two parts to this question. Is there a comic, a specific funny person that is your like? 
pinnacle that that makes you crazy and and in general is there somebody that makes you stars does anybody make you starstruck because what this show is 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 talking to my heroes uh, uh, about their journey and so and you are one of my heroes very much so and so I want to know who are yours um, well I love Stephen Wright the comedian mm-hmm. although I'm not starstruck around him as much as I'm just like I just love I've talked to him a few times mm-hmm. over the past 30 years and I'm just love I just love being in the presence of that genius mm-hmm. um, but there are, are two comedians, or three comedians, really. There's like a force field around them. Ooh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, who? Um, one is Drew Carey. I've never there seen was, him live. There's just a force field around him. Mm. Um, to me, Ray Romano, even though back in the 80s or 90s, he opened for me. Did he Really? Yeah, I could be very bitter right now. Jim Gaskin <laughs> opened for me. Wait, who did? Um, Jim Gaskin. Oh, yeah. Bedford, Tom Papa. Wow. I could be bitter. <laughs> um, but I got to open for Seinfeld in the, in the 80s. Yeah. And so I guess there's a force field around him, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the late Gary Shandling. Oh, God, oh, yeah. my God. Oh, God, but yeah. Steve Martin is the yeah. one who just, I'm nervous around him. I've mm-hmm. met him a couple of times. Have you? Mm-hmm. And what was conversation with Steve? Because I, I could imagine that would be really overwhelming. <laughs> I was just going to, like, make some sounds. Because <laughs> I don't think I could form sentences <laughs> around him. But um, I just think he's a comic genius. Yeah. But, so those are the comedians. Mm-hmm. And, um, and also I have met, I have met, Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers, mm. two of my female mm. comedy idols, mm. um, and Lily Tomlin. Good. So there's, I guess there are force fields around them. I don't know what I mean by force field, but there's just this energy yeah, I get that it. is otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I would be starstruck around Sting. <gasps> I met Sting. I was starstruck. <gasps> I got some words out, and I gave him my card, and he told me it was a really cool card. It was in the 80s. It, I, 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 if I could not have to breathe uh-huh. or wash or think again since then, it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, it was maybe the greatest ever of things, yes. Paul McCartney. <gasps> yeah. And Bruce Springsteen. Ah. I would be really nervous around those three. Mm-hmm. Starstruck. Makes, I'm makes just in sense. awe. Makes good sense. Yeah. Well, I hope you have an opportunity to meet all of them at some point. I have thank no you. doubt that you will. Thank you. I'll put them on my vision board. <laughs> yes, put them on your vision board. Absolutely. Right? I love that. Wendy, thank you so much for spending this time with us. I oh adore you. I love you. <laughs> I love thank you, you for having me. My and pleasure. Talk to me soon. Absolutely. Love you. Because I have to get you some black jackets. And I want some black jackets. I have witnesses. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. So, Justin, um, I... I love that woman. Um, yeah, she's great. Did, were you, like, Wendy Liebman is kind of before your time as far as being on the TV shows. You know, she did Carson and she did Letterman and she did, you know, Jimmy Kimmel and all mm-hmm. of those. So is she is she fresh for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's great. She was so funny. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, she just had some great, like, her comedic timing is, is she's incredible. She's amazing. So did, did you have a takeaway from today? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think the takeaway I would have for her is is when she was telling her story about the just the car accident that she got in that was mm-hmm. you know very, very uh, just a life changing moment uh, for her, and she was just talking about how she had not done comedy for a while before that, and uh, you know when she when that happened, it just clicked on her like I need to get back into comedy because she felt like in her life, like that's what she was supposed to be doing. She's supposed to be making people laugh. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the takeaway from her was just that, uh, you know, always continue to do what you feel like you're supposed to be doing. Um, because if you do that, you know, you're going to be doing what you're supposed to be doing type of, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. I, I She had been doing comedy up until that point, but she, as she said, because she was mothering her stepsons and yeah, she was yeah. being a wife and she was doing all that stuff, it was, she was doing it to a lesser degree. And yeah. I think you're right that when she made the decision to do America's Got Talent, she was putting herself out there in the biggest way she ever had. Like, she was going for it. And yeah. she did get a lot of national attention from that. I mean, her name is now far more known than it was. I mean, that she got a lot of exposure on America's Got Talent. And she went very far on that show. I think she was a quarterfinalist. And you're right. I, I, I think that 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 is a great takeaway that if something is your your path, like do it big, do it as big as you can possibly do it. And she's uh, certainly doing that. And she's hysterical. I adore her. Yeah, she's fantastic. And um, now that you've been introduced to her, I hope you go back and watch some of her stuff on YouTube. Yeah, I'll have to check out some of her acts. Her timing is crazy. I mean, we got a taste of it today, but, yeah. you know, she's really brilliant. She's got a very distinctive style, and it always works. It's always funny. Today was a gas. Thank you so much. Thank you, Justin. And I look forward to uh, being back here next week with all of you on Vicki Abelson's broadcast, The Road Taste. Taken every Tuesday at six specific time. I have to think about this. This doesn't come easy to me, the math. I was never, I always sucked at math. Nine Eastern time. And then it replays on Thursday at 9 a.m. And which, which is Pacific time and then noon Eastern time. And now we have a new replay, Justin. We are on again right. on Sundays at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern time. I did that one really fast. The one in the four was easy for me to add yeah. up. Anyway, look forward to seeing you next time. Take care. Have a great week. Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. I wrote a book called Don't Jump. Andy Stone is my heroine. And she was addicted to everything pretty much except heroin. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. She just totally captures the excitement of, of rock stars. And famous athletes and famous comedians. Sort of an insider's view from the outside. The warmth and wit of Vicky's writing, he's writing, knocked me out. In, in a good way, not, not like Cosby. Too soon? Vicky wrote a book? Vicki Abelson's long-awaited new book, Don't Jump, is finally here. Don't miss it. Available on Amazon. This is Shelley Pikett, and that's my song, Bitch. Well, the one I wrote with Meredith Brooks. I tell all about how it happened in Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, a memoir about my adventures and misadventures on the front line of the songwriting business. You can also hear about Christina, Brittany, Keith Urban, and many more. But my book isn't just about songwriting. It's about passion, pursuit, perseverance for any dream you may have. Confessions of a Serial Songwriter, available on Amazon or at a bookstore near you.
Hi, I'm Vicki Abelson. Please join me for The Road Taken, celebrity maps to success for those of us still seeking ours. Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Central, 9 p.m. Eastern on Conversations Radio Network.